Welcome to In a Warming World, a podcast that critically examines cultural narratives that minimize climate change in order to reveal how ecological social change is not only possible, but necessary. I'm Moira Marquis, a postdoctoral fellow at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. While people that express outright skepticism are fewer and fewer, indifference to climate change seems to be on the rise. Indifference in the face of climate change can result from perceived inefficacy of activism, the lack of concern from others in daily life, the inability to afford expensive individual environmental alternatives, or because of the overwhelming feelings that come from climate issues. Climate indifference is one of the most serious threats to climate action because it's passive and because apathy leaves room for more manageable or visible concerns to eclipse environmental ones. This episode focuses on some of the manifestations of climate indifference and proposes some remedies. Hi, I'm Megan Bishop, a sophomore at UNC from Fort Worth, Texas, studying neuroscience and English. I come from a state that is so rooted in the oil and gas industry that climate change indifference seems to be the mainstream way of addressing environmental policy. My time at UNC has made me a lot more aware of the evidence for climate change as well as how people's experiences form work to form their opinion on environmental issues. This is my second class at UNC that is focused on anthropogenic climate change so I would definitely say I'm becoming more and more of a climate change activist. Hi, I'm Anna Brady, and I'm a sophomore at UNC from Fayetteville, North Carolina, studying English and public policy. I grew up in the part of the South that is largely indifferent to climate change, and I was never really confronted by the reality of climate change until my junior year of high school. When I finally started to learn about the climate crisis, I felt like I really connected with the problem and felt a responsibility to be more aware of my environmental impact and advocate for change. On campus, I've taken several classes about climate change, and for the past seven months, I have worked on the Executive Branch's Environmental Affairs Committee, where we act as liaison between students and faculty regarding environmental issues. The climate crisis is an issue that I hold really close to my heart, so I'm excited to talk more about climate indifference in our discussion today. Hi, I'm Hannah Myatt, a sophomore at UNC studying biomedical engineering originally from Durham, North Carolina. While I don't have a background in environmental science or a great knowledge of climate change, I've been published in Nature and Communications Biology and have have been involved with graduate level research at UNC since I was 16 years old. So I feel relatively comfortable with scientific data and understanding what goes into scientific research. In addition, my grandmother is also a self-proclaimed hippie, so much of my childhood unintentionally was eco-conscious. My grandmother's influence along with being homeschooled in the Durham Chapel Hill area led me to living a relatively green life without really realizing it. A fact I didn't fully understand until I came to college and was called out for my weird ways. I'm really excited to talk more about climate indifference and what that looks like in the U.S. Hi, I'm Desiree Fledile. I'm a senior at UNC, majoring in biology and minoring in medical anthropology and medicine, literature, and culture. Although I've always believed that climate change has been an issue, I have to admit that I've been a passive participant in the environmental movement. But recently, activists like Greta Thunberg have really inspired me to play a more active role in saving our planet. Speaking from experience, I think that many people feel a sense of helplessness when it comes to climate change, which prevents them from doing more. Reasons like this is why I'm looking forward to our discussion today about climate difference and what it means for our world's future. Okay, so I'm John Barguti, and I'm a senior at UNC studying computer science. So I've always been aware of climate change, but it's not necessarily something that's been in the forefront of my life. 
Um, anytime though, like throughout school and we'd have recycling drives or like Arbor events, I, I would always participate in them, but more so as like a, a social event. Um, in my opinion, I have a great respect for the planet. And I think that the human, the human race as a whole needs to have like an event or like a paradigm shift that will allow them to see the earth in a different light. And this slightly pessimist view has kept me from going out and giving like a great deal of my personal time to environmental groups, but I am optimistic about where we're headed, so. Hi, um, I'm Emma Kunkel and I'm a senior at UNC majoring in biology. Um, for the past few years, I've been working in a lab and focused on plant cellular biology. Um, and, and that's definitely informed my perspective about the role humans uh, should play in shaping natural environments. Um, because I also grew up in Chapel Hill, I have, I've always been aware of climate change as both a real and pressing issue, but have never treated it as a thing that would affect me until the, the frequency of hurricanes and, and like subsequent flooding events in North Carolina started ramping up in the past half decade or so. Um, I've become much more engaged in the conversation ever since, um, and I'm looking forward to discussing how to get more people involved. Hi, I'm Natalie Grazar, a first year from Elon, North Carolina, double majoring in biology and psychology. I think my perspective on and participation in climate change action is pretty similar to Desiree's, as I often feel like I'm not doing enough to help, but I don't exactly know where to start because it's such a huge problem. Unfortunately, I also believe this is a pretty common feeling for people. I think it's important to change this so that more people can lessen their personal negative effects on climate change. And I think that education about the topic is a great way to start because it's so important and it will help people become more active participants in this environmental movement. And I hope this podcast will assist in this. Um, so overall today, we're gonna to be talking about climate indifference, focusing on two different readings, the Overstory by Richard Powers, which follows nine characters through their lives and relationships with trees and ecoactivism, and also the Dragons of Inaction by Robert Giffers, which talks about the psychological barriers that prevents humans from following through on climate change mitigation. The first question we're gonna talk about today is why did we choose to talk about climate indifference? Yeah, so climate indifference, I feel is very important because we live in a day and age of high political polarization and a lot of distrust in scientific information as we've seen with like COVID. And I think this indifference is the true enemy of climate progress because we end up combating something that should not be political and is for the greater good of all of us. So this is a very important topic when it comes to environmental change. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I come from, like I said, I come from Texas and Texas is just so rooted in the oil and gas industry that a lot of people have like finances at stake by um, implementing climate change action. And so I think that lots of people choose to be indifferent indifferent for very selfish reasons. And so I think it's important to talk about that and bring that to light because I feel like that's something that kind of hides under the surface in policy and it only benefits a small amount of people instead of the entire community. And that's a big problem. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think that um, this issue is something that we need to focus on like the greater good um, of like mankind as a whole and focusing on like small groups like the wealthy elite is just kind of definitely selfish and shouldn't be prioritized as much as it is right now. What stood out for the reading for you guys? Any quotes or ideas? 
Um, I, I noticed this thing that was sort of pervasive through the book. Of course, this book is very lyrical. It's very poetic. But in addition to that, it has this um, very interesting proclivity for using um, like scientific plant terms. I've noticed even in the chapter that wasn't about uh, the, the scientist Patricia, um, even in other contexts, um, uh, when it's talking about other characters, you know, like um, inflorescence and, and cambium and stuff like that, that you would not expect general, like people to generally know like what it's talking about. I think maybe the author is trying to reframe like, you know, trees, like this, these are, these are important terms, you know, trees are important, you know, you should know these terms, maybe, maybe trying to alienate the reader a little bit. I thought, I thought that was, it was an interesting thing that the author did. Yeah, I, this book was just, had so many striking qualities to it. I feel like the big thing um, that struck me when I was reading it was just how trees could have such a big impact on unsuspecting individuals, like people who are just living their everyday lives, and a tree just becomes so integral to it like specifically Nick his whole life his whole family legacy was rooted in the chestnut tree in his backyard that even when his life was awful his whole family had died that the love of his life had died he still returned to that place even though the tree had long been cut down and all that was left was a stump and he felt at peace even though nothing in his life was going his way how would y'all define climate indifference soft denialism how does it manifest um, so in one of the readings, um, we kind of found the definition of um, soft denialism to be the tendency to accept the scientific consensus while continuing to live as if it were not true. Um, and so this definition really helped me understand why so many people continue to live in a way that just like enhances the effects of climate change, such as continuing to drive like fuel with inefficient cars or supporting businesses that pollute the atmosphere, even though there are better options, which is like hybrid cars. And there's like other ways that you can um, support businesses that are having positive effects on the environment. Um, and so they, people just continue to do this, although they are aware of the dire consequences that this has on the overall health of the planet, which is really confusing to me at least. Um, and this definitely stems from that soft denial mindset, um, which many people, I guess myself included, um, fall victim to. Because it's easy to, it's easier, I feel like, to just continue to live your life the way you've always lived, lived your life rather than seek out better options, if that makes sense. I don't know if you guys agree. I, I definitely agree. I think a lot of it has to do with, I wouldn't say it's necessarily malicious when it's soft denialism also. Like, I think... I think it's a result of just humans being like natural procrastinators. Like, you know, we, we know that it's a thing, but like it doesn't directly impact our day-to-day -day lives. So we can go about our day-to-day -day lives um, ignoring it. But like, as we start to see, like it have more realistic impacts and we start to notice that like even other governments are taking, taking action, you know, like trying to push electric vehicles and limit like you know, fossil fuel based cars and stuff. And we're only now starting to really push, but that's because we're kind of at the brink. So you know, it's just interesting. Yeah, I think I agree. Soft denialism is really interesting because it's essentially people just being lazy. They don't want to take a stand or do the research to make a better choice. So they just don't. Um, and it's really until you see a great natural disaster have some real effect in your personal life that you move out of sort of the field of climate indifference. 
So what do you guys think are some of the main reasons that we're indifferent to climate change and eco-activism? I think the reading that we had about the dragons of inaction really touches on this really well. Um, I would recommend that to anyone listening. Um, but I mean, it, it gave a lot of like psychological barriers that prevent people from really digesting what climate change is to like really confront it mentally. But I think the ones that stood out to me were the lack of place attachment theory, where um, people just don't really feel attached to nature. And so they don't really feel inclined to save it. Um, I feel like, and I'll bring up Texas again, because it's one of my favorite personality traits. I love home. Um, but um, being from like the Dallas Fort Worth area, it's just so overwhelmed with suburbia and buildings that it seems like everything is in human control and everything's fine. Almost like a sick little utopia where like there aren't trees. Like I came to North Carolina and was shocked when I saw big trees. It was just so new to me. So I think that could be part of the attitude back home where, oh, like climate change doesn't really affect us here. Like I'm not really attached to nature in the same way that other people are. It doesn't really affect me. So I don't really want to take action. Um, I also just two other things that I thought were interesting from that reading. Um, it talked about the sense of optimism people have where people think like, oh, like that can never happen to me. That's just not realistic, but it could happen somewhere far away where I don't have to think about it. But I think COVID really proves that not true. Like things like bad things can happen and they can affect your life. Um, and, you know, COVID just like climate change is really at a point where it can be migrated through masks for COVID and through, um, helping prevent growing our carbon footprint for um, climate change action. But like, it's kind of where like, it's can't just be solved overnight. Um, so I think that was really important. Um, yeah, does anyone else have any uh, thoughts about that, Hannah, maybe? Yeah, um, I think also part of the reason that especially in the US we're so indifferent to like climate change or eco-activism is because it's not embedded in our culture. It's really easy to be very like, just everything's in single use plastic. You're very, you're very like, you're consuming a lot and it's just very simple. And you have to make, you have to put a lot of work and research into really understanding what is like the green choice? What is the right choice in terms of the environment? Um, and so part of the dragons is that there's like a societal change that needs to happen if we're going to have this integrated um, into American culture. So do you guys think it's easy to be climate indifferent um, and, and why, if so? You know, I don't think people get many firsthand experiences of climate change or, you know, see anything that may make them think, oh, something is really happening, something important, I need to like make a change. So it's like, if you're living your daily life and you yourself don't feel affected, I think it's really easy to not worry about it. You know, like when conversations are had about um, climate change and climate science, it's a lot about like what's gonna happen in the future, you know, what kind of world is gonna be left for our children. And I think a lot of people, especially Americans are kind of like selfish when they um, think about like the future and like whatever the world is gonna look like because they're only thinking about their place in that world and if they're like well I'm not going to be around in the next hundred years so it doesn't really matter to me what happens like what that world is going to look like so I think it's really easy yeah I would 
have to agree. Um, something that really stood out to me, at least in the overstory, was just the entire, like, Olivia's personality just did a, like a total 180 um, after she was, um, after she died and eventually came back to life. But I was just wondering, like, does there always have to be some sort of big event to happen for a change to happen? Um, I don't know if you, what you guys are thinking, but like, I know like, like the, no one really knows what a post COVID world is going to look like. And which is kind of interesting, but I think there's definitely, since this was such a huge event, there's definitely going to be some big changes. Um, so yeah, I think it just, I'm just questioning, like, does there always have to be that big event for people to change their perspective? Um, I, I definitely think um, that it, it, climate change is one of those issues where definitely a, a big single event would be, I, I would see it as more plausible than a slow change because um, sort of it, it talks about in the dragons of indifference, um, all of these like mechanisms that your mind sort of um, does even subconsciously to sort of keep you in a rhythm, to keep you in a pattern. You know, patterns are safe. Um, we've, we, we like to stick, stick to reliable patterns as humans and it's, it's really hard to break out of them. Um, and when trying to confront such a radical mind shift, like going from, you know, climate indifferent to very actively environmentalists or environmentalists and cognizant of, of all of these, these problems in the world, um, it's, it's a really hard barrier to overcome all of those sort of subconscious mental blockades. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think what makes indifference so complex is that we have all of these like subconscious psychological blockades, like you said, that like we aren't even necessarily aware of. I think we're talking about indifference, but like there's, we also know there's this other side, there's just complete denial. Like people that think that climate change is a hoax and the government is trying to control you. And that's on the extreme side, but there's also people that just don't believe the science. So what do we think, do we have an opinion on what we think could potentially be more harmful um, long-term being indifferent or being de in denial? Or is there anyone thinks that perhaps that they're just the same thing? I think in a lot of ways, indifference is much more, much worse than denialism. Um, I think everybody wants to live in this beautiful, happy world where climate change isn't a threat and it doesn't exist. So like denialism kind of makes sense in that way. Um, but to acknowledge the science and to acknowledge that there's a threat and to still not care, I just feel like is a different level of being, I don't want to say irresponsible, but almost irresponsible. It's like you know that it exists and you're acknowledging that. Um, and you're still saying that you don't really want to do anything about it. And it just doesn't matter. I feel like I have a bit of an opposite view with that. I've, I think like, I think when you're, when you're indifferent, it's very easy to be indifferent about something in like our daily lives. Like we have so much going on. There's just so many things that like we can get lost in that we can't devote all of our time to, which can, you know, produce indifference to like a topic. But like when you are in straight denial of something, you're actually, in my opinion, going against the progress that it's trying to make. So like, if, if I'm a scientist trying to, you know, publish my, my findings and I'm trying to let everyone know that yes, here's, here's data statistics that climate change is in fact real. And people keep pushing this like notion that just like allows further groupthink is, is the worst thing because it muddies the scientist's point, you know, and I just feel like it works against it. 
and indifference is just indifferent. I, 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 I'd like to approach this question from sort of a different angle. Like you guys have been talking about like maybe if it's personally better to be climate indifferent or climate, um, like a climate denialist or whatever. But I feel like on a societal level, being a climate uh, in, indifferentist is, is much worse because if all the people who were indifferent to climate um, climate change, you know, were working actively towards something as opposed to um, all of the people who are in denial being indifferent or all the people in denial being um, active workers of, of the cause, um, a lot more could get done if, if all of the people who are indifferent did something because there are a lot more indifferent people than there are denialists. I feel like their voices get disproportionately heard. And um, so they make, make disproportionate splashes in the pond. Yes. Yeah, so how would you guys think that this is talked about in the overstory? So like the prevalence of being a flat out climate denier versus um, climate indifference. Yeah, so within the overstory, there is two specific characters that were just sort of indifferent the whole time, Dorothy and Ray, who were a married couple. And it just wasn't like a part of their lives. Trees didn't really matter. Deforestation didn't really matter. They didn't have like a radical change. And I think that brings back the point that it's a lot easier to have no opinion at all and to have no research or like and to not have to do any research than having to spend time and effort into coming up with a strong opinion. Yeah, like I was thinking of this quote that I read um, that was said by Douglas about how um, people have this tendency to mistake agreement for truth. So it's like if enough people think one thing, then everybody will just be like, oh, this is what exists. This is the truth. And I think that has a lot to do with like climate indifference, because it's like, yes, a lot of people can agree that climate change happens but it's like they can also agree to not do anything about that, to just kind of accept it and think of it as something that they have no control over almost. So what are some, some solutions, if any, to climate indifference? This is such a hard thing because it's hard to change like the perspective of an entire culture. But I think that one of the most important things um, for everyone to get out of is just that ignorance is bliss sort of mindset of like, this is like, this isn't happening. This isn't affecting me. Like, I don't need to actively do anything to fix this. Um, and so I really think that that starts with younger generations. I think that we've all seen how um, younger generations can have some real, really big change, like especially with this past 2020 presidential election um, with voters coming out in record numbers. So I think that just kind of shows how big of an effect um, young people can have. Um, so yeah, just bringing up that entire like, or helping just culture as a whole being more aware of this problem is really important in my opinion. I think that like um, something the Overstory did that wasn't great for like the topic of climate indifference was make it seem like you had to like do the most in order to make a difference. So I think a possible solution is just normalizing everyone doing like little things and that in turn with like having the whole 
community either start carpooling or just like little things like that um promote that that can make a difference you don't have to like save the planet by yourself if you're thinking about tackling climate change okay uh thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today uh we hope that we were able to push you guys to think more about climate indifference and its overall impact This project has been generously supported by UNC Chapel Hill's Office for the Vice Provost for Global Affairs and the Chancellor's Global Education Fund through a collaborative online learning grant, as well as the Digital Humanities Lab in the Department of English and Comparative Literature.